1: is the most important thing don't do what I did I put work in front of family I thought it was more important to be somebody out there than the damn failure I was in my own home A few weeks ago, I read a story in the New York Times about a wonderful exemplar of the capitalist system of supply and demand. In the United States, as in other countries, there's a dire shortage of long-distance truck drivers. The work is poorly paid, the hours are long, and there are long periods of time where you're away from home. But at the same time, a great many retired middle-class Americans, posties, nurses, etc., don't have enough retirement income to live on. In swoops the invisible hand of the market and boom, 80-year-old teachers driving huge transformer style big rigs hundreds of kilometres at a time just so they can afford to buy the grandkids a graduation present and, I don't know, eat, I guess. I thought about these heroes of the new economy while I was watching Clint Eastwood's new film The Mule the other day. In it, the 88-year-old Mr Eastwood plays 90-year-old Earl Stone, a prize-winning grower of daylilies, or a grower of prize-winning daylilies if you prefer. His business falls on hard times because of that bloody internet, and he finds himself foreclosed upon. This being a post-retirement age Eastwood film, chickens start coming home to roost not in the usual way where a retired gunfighter has to buckle up his gunbelt one more time or a Korean War veteran has to sneer the street gang from next door off his porch, but he has to face his family, the one he all but abandoned in favour of high times and social misdemeanours while he was on the road selling flowers. Kicked out of his granddaughter's pre-wedding brunch and with nowhere to go, He is approached by a young Latino friend of one of the bridesmaids. He's offered a job, a driving job, with his clean record and unthreatening all-American senior citizen credentials. He would be able to drive the cartel's illicit white powder all over the country undetected. Out of options, he says yes. But when he discovers how lucrative the first run is, he jumps in boots and all, even buying a brand new ute and some new Ray-Bans and splashing out on some female company. Eastwood hasn't been this successful with the ladies since the bridges of Madison County. It's all going great. He's popular with the head of the cartel, played by Andy Garcia, and he can splash the cash to win back the love of his granddaughter and repair the veteran social club. But the feds are closing in. Bradley Cooper is the DEA agent, paying back the favour of being given the Academy Award-nominated role in American Sniper by Mr Eastwood by adding some star power to this picture, even though he sleepwalks through most of it. Eastwood has been threatening retirement, at least as an actor, for ages now, but he's still got it. He turns on the charm in awkward ways that betray the character's failures as a husband and father, and then continues to convince... When it all starts to fall apart. How did you come into all that money? Well, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a high-end gigolo. <laughs> come on. I'm a drug mule for the cartel, and I've got 305 kilos of cocaine sitting in the back of my truck. Where he lets himself down, though, is as director. It's a workmanlike production, but when we return to locations like the DEA office or the tire shop where Earl picks up his packages, each scene is too reminiscent of the one before, as if he's using the same setups. We know that Eastwood as a director is as efficient as Woody Allen, good prep, few takes, on the golf course by 3 p.m. And that's how you get to keep making a film every year for nearly 50 years. But it feels as if he's put more work into his own performance than into the rest of the film. Maybe that's the compromise you make when you're 88. The subsidiary characters are sketched rather than drawn, even when his own daughter Alison is playing his screen daughter. The Latino characters are universally clichés, which some strong performers like Ignacio Cericho as Earl's increasingly frustrated handler Julio do their best to overcome. The women that Earl aren't related to are viewed through the lens of an unreconstructed, horny 88-year-old man, with all of the disrespect that implies. But I'm inclined to allow the old man his indulgences. The strengths of the mule just about outweigh the weaknesses, and there's a lot more going on in Eastwood's portrayal of Earl than meets the eye. It's easy if you're not paying attention to write Clint Eastwood off as a right-wing cowboy workaholic, but that sells short one of the most interesting of American filmmakers. When he started his own production company back in 1967, he called it Malpaso. I thought that was a wry statement about the wisdom of going it alone, or the impossibility of making a perfect choice. It translates as bad move or bad step. But to my disappointment, it's just a creek near the army base where he did his basic training and where he eventually bought all the land around it. It doesn't matter. Mal Paso makes me smile when I see it on the credits of a film. I always feel like Eastwood's rolling the dice, as artists always do. Need help, sir? Oh, uh, officer, hi. You need any help? Uh, no, no, I'm fine, thank you. What do you got there? Uh, the Pecans i delivering pecans to my niece. Pecans? Yeah, pecans. She makes the worst pecan pie you've ever tasted. I feel sorry for her husband, and I feel sorry for the pecans too. (laughs) The mule is rated M for offensive language and nudity. Only half of it is Clint's. And I expect younger audiences might get a bit frustrated by the grandpa-knows-best tone that runs through the whole thing.